Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, I want to welcome you today to um, a chance to, to open the word with me. Today, we're taking a slight departure from, from what our rhythm has been. Our rhythm has been to, took, to look to the Old, Test- the Old Testament lectionary reading. Now, if you're not familiar with the lectionary readings, it's a three-year uh, cycle of scripture readings. And, and each week, for each Sunday, they have um, four different readings. They have an Old Testament reading. They have usually a, a New Testament reading. They have a reading from Psalms. And then have a reading from one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And uh, it's designed to help preachers like me not just like go back to our favorite texts, right? Like it helps us have a whole picture, a full picture uh, of the different varieties of Scripture. And so it's really helpful for me because I like to, I like to follow where it leads us and, and see what treasures the Word has for us in the midst of, of all the things that as we go through the, the different seasons uh, of the calendar year. And, and so for this time between um, Advent and Epiphany, Epiphany is we have the 12 days of Christmas in the church calendar year, and then we have Epiphany where we celebrate the, the wise men coming to visit Jesus. After that, we have several Sundays before um, we start Lent. Now, Lent starts with Ash Wednesday this year. Uh, it happens on the 22nd of February. So we have a few Sundays left before there. Um, and so each week has an Old Testament reading. That's what we've been studying as we've come to church um, on Sunday mornings. This, for this week, I wanted to depart from the Sunday readings. There's actually a supplemental reading that happens in between last Sunday and this Sunday entitled The Presentation of the Lord. Okay. Now, in the church calendar year, this occasion is always celebrated or recognized on February 2nd. We know February 2nd is a different holiday, right? Right? Puxatani Phil, right? Pops up out of the hole and Groundhog's Day, right? We're going we're gonna to see whether we have more winter. We did have snow this morning, so I guess that's our answer. We didn't have to ask Puxatani Phil. Um, it, it coincides with Groundhog's Day. But February 2nd each year is a day marked on the church calendar year to celebrate the presentation of the Lord. It always happens on 2-2. The scripture reading from the gospel always points to Luke 2-22, and it happened on Thursday. But if it happened on Tuesday this year, that would have been just blow our minds. Lots of of twos, right? For a lot of us Protestants, for a lot of us who aren't familiar with the church year, we hear, and me included, we hear presentation of the Lord What's that, preacher? Um, if we're using the gospel text, we would hear the story. Luke 2, takes us to the time when it came time for the ritual cleansing of 
uh, Jesus Christ, of the baby. So I was talking about the presentation of the Lord. There's this moment, and, and it's part of the uh, Jewish customs for, for young boys to be presented at the temple. And this is the moment when we, we remember and we recognize in the church calendar year that, that step that Mary and Joseph took to present Jesus. Um, Luke 22, Luke 2, 22 says, When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And if you're familiar with this story, you remember Simeon and Anna who meet him at the temple and have this incredible moment of, of celebration and joy and worship as they meet um, as they meet Jesus and see this baby for the first time. The, that text, that gospel text from Luke 2, is matched in the Old Testament with a, with a reading from Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. Um, and it, it's used in one of the years as an Advent text, um, and that's the text to which we're going to turn today. So um, it may sound familiar as an Advent text, especially as it speaks about um, John the Baptist. So today, um, we're going to turn to Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. Um, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can open with me to Malachi 3, or if you have a device, you can turn that direction. Out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand as I read from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Word says this, a reading from Malachi in the Common English Bible. Look, I am sending my messenger who will clear the path before me, Suddenly the Lord whom you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you take delight is coming, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can withstand his appearance? He is like the refiner's fire or the cleaner's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. They will belong to the Lord, presenting a righteous Offering The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient days and in former years. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. And we say thanks be to God. ask a question as I get started, as I, I often do. And the question that I want to ask is, what are the things for which you are prepared? What are you prepared for? Have you met the survivalists, right? The ones who are prepared for pretty much anything to happen, right? Gallons of water tucked away. Uh, they're ready for the power grid to go down, ready for the grocery store shelves to be empty. They can feed their family for a couple of months or live off the earth. <laughs> we have three teenage boys in my household, so having enough food for two months is literally impossible. Uh, I need, need, need a bigger house. Um, well, myself included in that, probably. Um, as you think about Malachi and the words he was speaking and who he was speaking them to, you begin to understand a bit more about what he was talking about. It's believed that Malachi prophesied in the, in the second temple period. 
What was that? What was the second temple period? The the people of Israel were formed out of out of uh, formed a nation from uh, the father, from from their their ancestral father, Father Abraham. Maybe you remember the song, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Some of you might remember that. Um, out of this, uh, Abraham and his descendants. Uh, they had started to become a people and started to, to, to form a tribe, to form a people. And, and out of that, a drought drove them to Egypt. And they were enslaved in Egypt for a number of years. They, they started out on good terms in Egypt. And then they grew. And then the Egyptians said, well, let's, let's conscript these folks. And let's, let's pull them in. And we can enslave them. Because that, that felt like a, a pretty good deal in, in there. Uh, and so they became enslaved in Egypt, and eventually Moses, them, Moses led them out. They went to the desert. They were supposed to go to their promised land. They kind of hesitated. And so then they ended up spending 40 years of exile in the desert. Eventually, they finally moved into the land that was promised them by God. Uh, and after a long season with some good but mostly bad kings, the nation actually was sent into exile a second time, this time to the to the. Babylonian kingdom. Jerusalem was captured. The temple was torn down. Eventually, a remnant was allowed to return. And what did they do? They built the temple back up again. So this is what's called the second temple period, after after they had come back from the Babylonian exile. And fresh on their minds is this, this recent history. They had been stripped of their lands, taken away from their home, exiled to Babylon, and it's likely that, that much of what we read today as the Old Testament was written while they were in Babylon, okay? For, for a long time, the people of Israel passed along in oral tradition, the, the, the things, that, the stories that we have in the Old Testament. But as they, were, as they lost their home, as they lost their land and were exiled to Babylon, it's likely the, that a lot of what, they, of what we have in the Old Testament was written down in that time. Why? Because they didn't want to forget. They didn't want, they didn't want to forget. They didn't have their rhythms. They weren't in power. They, they had to remember who they are and whose they were. And so much of this Old Testament was, was written down in that time, especially uh, the Torah, especially the, the older passages, the, the stories of walking through the desert was likely written down during that time to preserve their memory and their identity. For the nation of Israel had to record their stories and their history. And they needed to answer the question, who are we? Who do we belong to? And who will we continue to be in the years and decades and centuries to come? And it's in this vein that this, this temple prophet comes into this picture one of the writers I read this week, Angela Bauer Levesque, says that the likely Malachi prophesied as a temple prophet, kind of coming from the center of, of religious power. That's not the picture we get of most of our prophets. Most of the prophets that we, we picture in the Old Testament are kind of these wild and crazy dudes that do weird things to kind of prove a point or to, to we have one prophet that, that uh, intentionally married a, a prostitute as a, as, a, as a picture for Israel to say, you've wandered away, you've been unfaithful. We have other prophets that, that did weird things and, and incredible stories of, of these men who in the message of God were faithful to 
to do crazy things in order to communicate something specific to the people of Israel. Malachi kind of breaks the mold of that picture of prophet. Breaks the mold of some of those prophet stereotypes to which we are a bit accustomed when we think of Old Testament prophets. He's not this wild-haired, crazy man off the street who does odd things. He's making a statement or, or making a statement by some weird action. Malachi had status. Malachi had power and position and spoke for God as a, as a temple prophet in this second temple period. The message that Malachi has is a message of, of preparation. For someone is coming. Like I said, this is very reminiscent of what we've learned to speak about John the Baptist, right? Uh, we understand John is preparing the way for the Messiah. And when this text is used in Advent, it's coupled with a text about, about John, John the Baptist. Here in this set of readings, it is coupled with the presentation of the baby Jesus at the temple in Luke. And what does the last half of that first verse say? Suddenly the Lord who you are seeking will come to this temple. And that's why it's paired with Luke 2.22. Simeon and Anna got to see this day and, and feel it and to celebrate and to rejoice. And we're aware of it in that moment. And the prophet of this day, Malachi, as he, as he prophesied, was not shy in speaking the truth about the coming of the Lord either. His call of preparation was, was clearly centered around one thing. As you read the text, as you, as you look down through the verses to follow, his call for preparation was a call to purification. The preparation meant purification. Like what? Like the fire of refinement. Like purifying the rare and valuable metals of the day. Melting the metals and boiling them so they're hot and molten and the imperfections and the, purif the impurities would, would bubble to the surface so they could be skimmed off, leaving only pure, wholesome, integrity-filled metals for the day. Preparation for the coming of the Lord, unlike us, isn't buying generators, stocking up on groceries and toilet paper. Um, it's not figuring out the one thing that will be most, most wanted, buying it up first. The preparation for the Lord is a preparation of purification. Of making our lives pure before God. As we talk about the arrival of the one, my memory is taken back to another story that we find in the Gospels. Another story where the, the coming of the Lord Jesus, the coming of Messiah, the coming of the expected one is celebrated, right? Do you remember the story of Palm Sunday? Do you remember the story when, when Jesus breaks in on the scene during the Holy, at the start of Holy Week and the people of Jerusalem respond, they, they clip down palms from the trees and they wave him and they lay down their cloaks in front of Jesus and say, here he comes. Here's the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus riding in as, not as a conquering hero on a, on a trusted steed on horseback, 
riding a colt or riding a donkey rides into Jerusalem to the shouts and to celebrations. Hosanna, Hosanna. Here comes the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And those who, who had a clear expectation of what Messiah would do, who, who knew what, what was coming next, they had a plan. He was going to go up to Herod's house, knock down the door, knock on the, maybe blow the door open, take Herod out and say, we don't want the Romans here anymore. But Jesus, as he enters the city, doesn't turn towards Herod's house, but turns towards the temple. And arrives at the temple and seeing what he sees there purifies the temple. Finding people who there were taking advantage of those who had come to worship, weighted scales, uh, rigged systems to, to get more money, and greed being the system of the day. Scripture says he drove them from the temple. And flipped tables and purified the temple so that those that could come could come and worship. Worship the Father. That the preparation for the Holy One arriving is purification in our lives. For the one who's willfully impure, the one who's taking advantage of those around him and abusing the marginalized in her world. There is no chance. There's been no purification and no preparation in that life. And in that day, it says, who can endure his coming? And who can withstand his appearance? Here we see both the encouragement of someone coming, someone who is expected, that's, that shows up on the scene and makes the difference. But here we also see a warning that these people who had neglected their duty to be God's people, that a time was coming. We believe to represent God's kingdom in the world in which we live today means we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. We prepare ourselves through purification. Our call, the preparation of the kingdom, to live kingdom lives, to, to be a part of this economy of the kingdom, of, of what God is calling us to do, our call today this preparation. To prepare for that means even more for us today to purify our lives. And what is the result? What is the result when we're, we're able to skim away the imperfections and the impurities when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and do the work that the Spirit wants to do in our lives? Scripture says when the, when the Spirit shows up, there's fruit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit's being love, and joy and peace, patience. <laughs> I was talking to somebody, I said, maybe it's time to think about patience. And this very honest response to me was, ooh, gross. Gross. When the Spirit moves in 
the fruit of the Spirit begins to take hold in our lives. We are prepared. We are purified. What's the result when that happens? Verse 3 and verse 4 tell us they will belong to the Lord presenting a righteous offering. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient days and in former years. I want the offering of my worship. I want the offering of my life to be holy and pleasing, a righteous offering. Amen? That's how I want my life to look. Maybe that last verse, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem and mountain home will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient of days and in former years. Isn't that our cry? Amen? Yes, it is. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. We're going to sing a final song. As we close today, I invite those who are willing and able, would you please stand? We have a tradition in our church that for this benediction prayer, we kind of uh, hold our hands out just as this physical reminder that we receive this benediction today. Lord, we hear and receive the call to be prepared today. May we understand and live out our preparedness as purification so that we might live according to the ways of your kingdom today and every day. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.